Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the guyliner. All with love for the show and its creators. I'm Vero. And I'm Lena. And today we're covering Lucifer, season 1, episode 10, Pops. But before we actually start covering the episode, today was the day where we finally got the new dates for Lux 2, a Lucifer convention that is happening in the UK. And we are beyond thrilled because we've been looking forward to having new dates to put into our calendars for quite a while due to the whole COVID-19 situation. Fuck COVID! The new date is in June 2021. That means we're gonna continue to keep track of all the questions that we come up with during our recordings that we kind of want to ask the cast or the creators because Joe and Ildi have been confirmed that they're coming back in June 2021. So if you have questions that you want to ask those wonderful, wonderful people, include them in your feedback, in your emails, in your critiques, and we're gonna put them on our ever-growing list. And once we get closer to June 2021, which is over a year away, I know, I know, we're gonna sort through all the questions. We're gonna make a selection. And if it's still too much, we're gonna be asking you, the listener, what questions we should bring with us to Lux 2. This is so exciting. I'm just, ah, it's not the vodka, it's the announcement, I swear. We've been drinking before we started recording and we are just at shot four. So I'm sober and Vero is already starting to get drunk. We're not apologizing. Yeah. Summary-wise, it's all pretty much the same. There's nothing big. Even though I learn a new word, the Amazon UK says, while Lucifer and Chloe investigate the murder of a prominent restaurateur, Chloe's mom, Rebecca de Mornay, returns home, sending her life into upheaval. I didn't know the word for restaurateur. I thought it was just a cook, but apparently pops is more. It's, yeah. I didn't know the word, so I learned something. And I found it hilarious that Amazon felt the need to explicitly point out who is playing Chloe's mom. IMDb and the German version is all very, very similar. No harm done there. But I'm not happy with the title pops for this episode because I feel it's lacking. And the German title translates to recipe for murder. Dun, dun, dun. That sounds like Agatha Christie. Genuinely, I would expect this to be a mystery novel. I love it so much. I'm pretty sure there is. Probably. Yeah, it's good. Oh, it's great, obviously. But I think that it gives it way more mystery than it actually is. But for me, it's the first time that the German title is actually better than the English one. Yay! So that made me really, really happy. We have, once again, two writers for this episode. Oh. And one of them we have met before because he wrote Wigman. Nice. And for the other one, this is the first episode of many more in the future. So for writing, I had reasonably high expectations mm-hmm. because fresh blood and someone who already dipped his toes into the Luciferverse. Into the Lucifer blood. <laughs> Literally. Huh? <laughs> And that is all I have for facts and fun this time. Cool. Let's get into it. Previously on. Chloe's mom is Penelope and she's an actress. Chloe lives in her place. Mace and Linda meet. Chloe and Dan kiss. Dan steals the gun from Malcolm. Malcolm got brought back to life by Ames. And 
Ames wants Malcolm to kill Lucy. Dun dun dun. Yeah. Honestly, I really liked this previously on. It was really nicely set up. It pings from one character to another. We get every character except Trixie. Because Trixie haven't been in an episode for three weeks. Trixie is kind of relevant in this episode, but we don't have a setup for her. But everyone else gets their basis. And I really like how it escalates more and more. This is one of the best previously ons we had so far. Because once it's over, you're just like, okay, I'm ready to get right into this shit. Yep. And we get right into this with a song. And I love how every episode of Lucifer pretty much starts with us overlooking the city. And we always get some type of a song and in this case the song is called devil inside and it's by inxs which again no clue who they are but the song is great did you not research the band shame on you i never researched the band maybe you should change that i'm kidding don't we don't want to sit here for longer than four hours than we already do (laughs) so we get the song and it's very cool it's very upbeat and then we kind of get this look at Lucifer and we're kind of going from underneath. We don't really see what's around him. We just kind of have a close-up at him seducing this woman with a strawberry and oh my god. This woman, the credits call her cute woman. She doesn't even deserve a name. And I call this scene a crime against good taste, which is a quote. (laughs) And what the fuck is Lucifer doing with the cute woman and her strawberry? Because we already established in especially the last episode, but also previous, that he's very much into Chloe. So this excessive flirting, because it is more than his usual superficial interaction. Where does the excessive focus suddenly come from? This for me felt more like an episode 2 or 3 Lucifer and not an episode 10 Lucifer. I kind of think that he tried Chloe and he's kind of, he's not really over it, but he kind of knows that it's not really gonna happen. Really? Yeah. I did not get that impression at all. I don't think that he's expecting her to to suddenly like fall down to his knees and sleep with him. Yeah, which is why he has the, the Britneys, but nothing that requires any work. Yeah, any any work on his part. But like why And I feel like with cute strawberry lady he's putting in work, which I find surprising. I don't think so. I think he's being himself. You no, know, I found it hilarious that he kept on eating the strawberry that the woman bit into. I just found the entire open extremely funny. The way he's going after her, the way she is so into it and she says God and he gets really upset because like, come on, can he not escape this ever? Of course he can't because everyone says, oh God, during sex. Exactly. And I just found it extremely funny. And then the fact that Chloe breaks it in and we're actually at a crime scene, which we didn't realize. It's just, I don't know. I was very amused by this. I was slightly disappointed that we, once again have an earlier connection to Lucifer that now becomes relevant to the case. He knows this dead body and so now he has a personal interest. I really liked in the last episode that he had no actual personal connection, just a personal motivation to the case. He doesn't really have a personal connection. He doesn't know him. He knows of him. My note actually says of course Lucifer knows who the guy is because if you gonna have somebody who means anything in that town or in that city lucifer is gonna have a previous knowledge of him who means anything for sophisticated taste that's the connection 
situation here. That's a very subjective opinion. So what I say is, of course, Lucy knows who the guy is, because if any of our victims is ever gonna be anybody who means anything or has money or is subjectively on certain level of fame or sophistication, Lucifer's gonna know at least of them. Maybe they're not gonna know each other in person. Maybe they've only known each other in passing or he has used or bought or enjoyed their product, but he will know who and what they are. Because Lucifer is based on it. This is his persona he has spent five years building. Did you look at the dead body with all the blood pouring out of the nose and the eyes and the ears? My first thought watching this every single time goes not to poison but to some kind of a you know like when you have in science fiction that a noise can make them bleed they make microwave to spray yeah or firefly the two guys with the hands of blue this is what they do to their victims it's gross and it does not ring poison to me at all i love it it's great but if i'm gonna read out my notes of course lucy knows who the guy is look at him caring about oh wait of course this is about Lucifer. Of course, everything is about Lucifer. And that's actually a perfect segue to the next scene. I don't have many titles for this episode, but the second scene is Daddy and Mommy Issues Galore. Everyone in this episode has parent issues, which is, of course, the point of the entire episode. I am aware of that. But scene two is... Ah. That scene, though, Lucifer is fangirling so hard. Wait, wait, wait. Before he's fangirling... Okay, he's talking about patricide. And how he says patricide. Oh my god. Also, he's projecting so hard. So hard. And also, Harry Potter reference. Did I miss something? He puts Voldemort in his patricide list because Voldemort killed his father. Fuck! How did I miss that? Okay, I'm going back and watching it. Anyhow, he's a nerd. He's just a giant nerd. I so love him. that was for me hilarious. I agree with you. He's fanboying so hard. And I actually really like it. Also in real life, when celebrities or actors or famous people also get into fanboy mode. Because it humanizes them for me on a level that I can more easily connect. And just the way how he's not even listening anymore to anything Chloe says that she has to say his name several times and I can relate so hard. I love it. I think it clearly shows that Tom Ellis has the experience of being a fan of something. I kind of want to know for who Tom Ellis fanboys. Put it on the list. I'm gonna put it on the list. But speaking of parents. Yes. I'm fully aware this is going to be the topic and theme of the episode. But especially in this scene, we see how severe the parent issues of both Lucifer and Chloe are. And I can't blame them. Obviously, I can't blame Lucifer because having a literal God complex with your father being God. Duh, of course, you're going to have daddy issues. But also the whole way how... Chloe's mother shows up at set, leads the police person to believe she's the sister and everything. It's like, oh my god, how do you even deal with that? So while I found it very obvious this episode is gonna be about parent issues, I can't blame either character. And so it felt very authentic and relatable. 
We get our title card at six minutes and eight seconds. Very quick this time. Yes, it, it feels very early, right? Yeah, usually it's around eight, nine minutes in. I really like the cutting of the scene with the interrogations. Montage! That's how I call the scene. I really like it when they ask one person a question and then the next person answers. This has been done before and will be done again, but I'm really a sucker for this. So I'm there for it. Mm-hmm. We once again have the perfect perfect person for Lucifer to project his own issues onto the wayward son as he calls him I have a question what's the question as soon as Lucifer realizes he now has a person to project on again (laughs) he starts talking much more precise in regard to his own issues and he says something in regards to try to follow in his footsteps you were never good enough so you rejected everything he stood for is this what Lucifer did because we still do not know in regards to the Lucifer lore what it was exactly that Lucifer did. And in the general Christian lore there is basis that the devil, Lucifer, created demons in an attempt to copy the creation that God did with humans, failed at it because demons are this horrible gone wrong experiment and because he failed at copying God's creation act, he got kicked out out of heaven which is then why he tempted humanity to basically prove to God that his creation is also fucked up and this is his whole fall. So with this quote I do wonder if this is what our Lucifer did because if that is what he did then he would have made mace. Which would explain her fealty and loyalty to him. Yeah. So I'm really, really curious how more information we're gonna get on this. Yeah, I'm sure that they're gonna let us in on this eventually. So while we're watching the interrogation and we get the great, I would love to call it 80s montage, that would be epic. I mean, imagine. Don't get quite the song for that. We do have another song though, which is unfortunately not 80s song. It's not an upbeat great hymn. (laughs) Which is the only bad thing about this scene. But the song is good enough. I kind of like it. The name of the song is The Sky is Falling. (gasps) And it's by Copper Ruin. Of course the sky is falling. Of course the sky is falling. Also, you all know that I am using a website to find my songs. You haven't mentioned it in a while. Oh, well I'm mentioning it now. This website, Dare to Claim that this song is not on Spotify. Were they wrong? They were so wrong. And this, my friends, is why you need to keep your internet information up to date because everything changes so quickly. That's why I'm so amazing at what I do. This is for you, fans. I found you the song. (laughs) It's on the playlist. Love you. I actually started listening to our playlist and I really, really like it. So thank you for putting in the extra work to make this. I know, right? I expected it to be a little bit different when I started putting it together but it's so good. Because the thing is there are Lucifer playlists on Spotify but they only have the more famous songs that are being used in Lucifer. And you are going this extra step to figuring out, oh no, this song by this artist, oh yeah, there I can find it. And then you squeeze it in there and suddenly you're listening to artists that you've never heard of before but you remember the song because you remember watching it on the show. So yeah, it was really really nice. Anyway, the sky is falling. <laughs> the sky is falling. And we get the biggest red herring in the universe. I mean, who would thought that it was the sun? Listeners, 
tell me, did you actually think it was the sun? We're not gonna judge, but yes, we're gonna judge. I'm judging you hard right now, but no, with love, with love. But this is like the biggest red herring in the world. The second one as well, with the girlfriend. Oh yeah, well, it gets dismissed so quickly. But for one, it just seems completely unrealistic for him to actually be the one, even though they kind of set it up the way that you should be thinking that he's the one. But what tells me that he is definitely not the person is because Lucifer is completely convinced that he is. And we've learned in the past, the more sure Lucifer is someone is guilty, the more sure we as viewers can be they're not. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to an episode where this gets turned on its head and then we're wrong. They have to do that because otherwise what's the point? We're moving on to scene three on my count and I lost my shit the first time I saw this because Mace in therapy with Linda in her office. I have no words. It's just... Okay, so before you find your words, I'm just gonna actually jump in because there was a deleted scene and if I would put it anywhere, I would put it just before this. Yes, please. It is a scene where Mace is actually wearing the same outfit that she's gonna be wearing when she meets Linda. Ah, and this is why we put it before this, okay? For one. And two, it is a scene between Mace and Dan. Hmm? I know, right? Where Mace is being arrested by a random uniform cop for breaking someone's nose. Ah, which then explains her saying she needs to be more normal. Well, what happens is, so she's getting arrested and what she does to get out of it is that she drops Dan's name and Dan comes in to pick her up or like let her go or like figure out what the fuck is happening and they get into an argument where he starts telling her that he would appreciate for her not to use his name as an excuse (laughs) because it gives out the wrong impression and And she kind of points out, well, but I helped you. And he's like, no, you knocked me unconscious, stripped me naked and put me (laughs) in my wife's bed. That's not helping. And she says, well, and how is it going with you two? And he just looks and says, that's not the point. I have a serious question. Go on. Mace put him in his still wife's bed. Yes. Yes. Which was in the living room on a pull-out couch. Yes. Is that where Chloe sleeps? I don't think so. Doesn't the house have a proper bedroom? I think it does, yeah. Because he was downstairs and the bathroom is upstairs. So I would expect the bedroom to be upstairs as well. So even back then I was confused why Mays put him on the pull-out couch. I think that she just wanted to make it even more awkward because then he didn't have a anywhere to hide. But yeah, so they had this conversation and another reason why it makes me think that it's at this point is that he looks at her after she pokes at him reminding us of the situation between the two of them and says if she even knows how to behave like a human being and she says no and he says well you should learn and then she goes to linda and goes like i have to learn how to be normal exactly i've fully agree with you this most definitely should have been in this position and i would love to have seen this personally i love the interaction the banter between mace and dan please i hope they never fuck yeah i think he plays off the best of mace no because it would be the cliche chloe's ex and lucifer's ex kinda and uh we've seen this before happening in other shows and please don't do this please don't do this i seriously pray they don't do this because i don't want to see it I i want to have 
have those two shooting word daggers at each other forever. Yeah, they have a great interaction. Mace challenges Dan in ways that he is not used to and it confuses the shit out of him and puts him into a perspective where he doesn't have any power, but also he gets to stand up for himself, not in a douchey way. And it just works. I feel like she has less disdain towards him than Lucifer does. Because his disdain feels personal and hers is just a general, well, you're human. Yeah. It's not his personal failing, but for Lucifer, it's like, oh, he's detective douche. I can't wait for more Dan Mace interaction. Which is surprising coming out of your mouth. <laughs> no, honestly, I think Dan is making progress. Yes. But the episode is not over yet and I will get upset. Very well. But before you get upset, let me have my fangirl moment. Because scene three, Mace, Linda, the entire scene just made me so, so happy. Because Linda, even though she's obviously very, very confused, still does a tremendous job of being helpful and giving advice. And also, I'm so proud of Mace for realizing I need to change something. Well, Lucifer went there. It helped him change. So I'm also gonna go there. She did the first important step that is the groundwork for all kinds of therapy, which is accepting you need help and then going to get it. Also, I kind of feel for Linda because she now has two non-humans in her care and has a colleague that's also non-human and she doesn't believe any of the non-human stuff. So her context is completely askew. So it must be utterly confusing for her. And even though she's operating on this wrong set of variables, she's still doing so such an amazing job. I wish every therapist was as motivated and willing and caring and competent as Linda is because then mental health would be much less of an issue and I just love her and I'm really really happy that therapy as a thing gets put in such a positive light in this show. But I think that one of the reasons why Linda is so successful, even though she doesn't realize the context of the situation, is because in the end of the day, it doesn't matter if I am a human or angel or a demon or whatever else shows up in the future. <laughs> Exactly, and you can put this out of anything. It doesn't matter what color my skin is or what gender I am or how I identify. In the end of the day, it's about emotion and the way we process it. And how we connect to each other. Exactly, and that's how Linda is approaching this. And she kind of breaks it down to very simple... The basis. She breaks it down to the basis of motivations. It's understandable on any level. Because in the end of the day, we're all the same. And I'm fully aware, like, having been in therapy myself, I know that therapy is so much more and it's so much hard work. But giving people who haven't been in therapy this constructive and positive view into therapy is so worthy. I'm really appreciative that we get this positive positive representation of therapy because in my opinion there's not a single human on earth that doesn't benefit from going to therapy at least once in their life yep scene four we're driving with malcolm and dan and we're getting into our second beta plot mason linda is our first beta plot we're now getting into our second beta plot like we said last episode malcolm continues with the constant eating and it's just as gross and disgusting and disturbing as it was last 
last episode. And what I found really this surprising that Malcolm actually does tell Dan that he's gonna kill Lucifer. I did not see that coming. Yeah, it was kind of surprising. But at the same time, I think Malcolm realizes that Lucifer is not Dan's favorite person. And he is kind of betting that it's gonna go his way. And it kind of does, to be fair. Yeah, but in the end, Dan does the right thing, even though he fails. But he judges Dan wrong. And I'm surprised that he's willing to risk it. I did not see that coming. I was very surprised. And this actually led to me not being sure how Dan would handle this. I think that Malcolm took calculated risk and it almost worked for him. Which I didn't think in that moment, but it influenced me during the entire episode. So writing, well done. Yep. Speaking of writing, well done. They got the comedic timing really, really well down this episode. Because last episode was very serious and emotional. I loved it. But this episode has a lot more comedic moments. Like uh, later on when Maze calls Trixie an old drag queen and, and stuff like that. Love it. So this episode has a lot of small short laughing moments. Mm. And one of my laughing moments in this episode is when Lucifer comforts the person and goes like let it all out and then she starts vomiting blood. Anne. Her name is Anne. Thank you. Yeah, again one of the moments where I was extremely amused because Lucifer is bluntly assuming that she is into him. Because everyone has to be into him. Well, you can see Lucifer's arrogance in this where he absolutely is convinced oh yeah I get this quite a lot his ego gets so many cuts this episode but you can look at her and she clearly is having another issue and it's hilarious and even though his powers work on her she's still not into him what I really liked, because I complained about this last episode, we have a super short but extremely meaningful moment between Dan and Chloe. When Chloe tells Dan that there's going to be this family dinner and she doesn't have to say anything else. He knows exactly what she means and that she needs him to be a buffer between her and her mother. Yeah, they're married. Yeah, but there have been very, very few instances where there was no need for words between those two. And for me, this is the base why at the end of the episode, Chloe wants to give this a proper shot. So I really, really like that. I'm going to talk about done at the end of the episode. I'm going to let you have this for now and... I'm just not gonna say anything. That's okay. You're gonna save it all up. Also, Lucifer calls Dan Daniel. Really? I missed that. That's only the second time he calls him not douche. He calls him Daniel when he comes up to the bar. And again, I have another note about Lucifer having a heart projection on Junior, which is hilarious. <laughs> I'm gonna be talking about the whole projection thing in a later moment because I'm just... Let's move on to the next scene. How did Lucifer open the door again? I'm pretty sure the door wasn't locked because she's a druggie and the door wasn't broken or anything so my expectation was like basically it wasn't locked and Chloe is too much of a goody goody to actually try if the door is open but she gets roped in uh, oh let's let's switch to place quickly what I really liked is that Lucifer is shown as envious of Junior of having escaped his father's clutches and expectations and yada yada and what I also realized was Chloe 
again not sharing her personal life issues with Lucifer. She keeps him at arm's length. They do have a bit of a conversation on that theme. Yeah, but she's holding back. Yeah, well, obviously. Yeah, but the thing is, had she been sharing this episode and previous episodes with him on a more personal basis, it wouldn't feel as understandable and authentic when she tries to try it again with Dan. Yeah. And so I really like that they are consistent in her behavior and only when she tries to reconnect with Dan on an explicit level and then gets turned down by him in quotation marks that she actually finds her way to Lucifer. I like that this show is aware enough and keeps her opening up guarded. Yeah. And fuck yeah, we finally fucking get Trixie after a month. You missed her so much. So much. She's so smart. She is so cool. How dare fucking Penny putting makeup on her? It's gross. I don't understand that at all. I have issues and understanding in this scene. Do you understand why people put makeup on six-year-old children? Yes. Why? I don't know. Do we have in English the same expression? Ice princess syndrome. I have never heard that. In German, we have this uh, expression. Literally, translation would be ice princess syndrome. It's when parents put their children into the sport or career they wanted to have for themselves and they basically mold their children into the person that they wanted to be but missed their chance. I understand people do it for this reason. I just don't understand why are people so fucking horrible. Because this is bullshit and I hate it. It's gross. Because how we define worth and worthiness is extremely fucked up. It's literally abuse. The thing is, it's not meant as abuse because... Oh, it doesn't matter how it's meant, but it's damaging. Penelope means well, but doesn't do well. But before we move out of this scene, I actually really, really appreciated how Trixie removed herself from the argument. She didn't strike me as uncomfortable with having the makeup on and everything, but she was clearly uncomfortable with the argument between her mom and her grandma. And she removed herself from the situation, but instead of putting herself at perceived risk for herself, she got a freaking Uber, which is trackable, so, like, my mom used this, this has to be safe. I can understand with the child logic, because still an Uber isn't safe, safe for a child. But I can understand the child logic, like, my mom uses this, so this is gonna be okay. And she goes to Lucifer because she needs cheering up and he always makes her laugh. So Trixie goes to Lux and we get a song. It's called Thought You Should Know by Sip Sip Bubbleheads. <laughs> Sip Sip Bubbleheads? Yep. <laughs> like, seriously, the band names are even more hilarious than the song titles. <laughs> Who knows? And it is, again, you've said it all. It again proves how smart Trixie is. Scene 8. I called scene 8 all the cuteness at Lux. It's adorable. Because, let's be honest, the entire scene is so sickingly cute. I love how Trixie walks down the stairs and she approaches the bar and goes, Excuse me, is Lucifer here? And May is just looking, stopping, turning around and looking at her like... Do you think, never mind if I ever interacted with an eight-year-old child, did Mace ever even seen one? Never. I love it. This is great. And what I appreciate among Mace is that she treats Trixie as a person. 
not as a stupid child. It's about the way she talks to her. Oh yeah, she talks to her completely normal. It has no indications of you are lesser than me or you are not as adult. You're not as relevant or important. Yeah. And then Trixie, she is a very adult... And I keep saying this. She is a very adult-like type of a person. She's grown up beyond her years. And that comes kind of from her her family situation, I'm sure. But then she says that she wants to be a president of Mars when she grows up, which is beautiful. It's a very child dream. But then again, then she says a zookeeper, which is way more based in reality. It gives Maze the chance to say, oh, I used to be a zookeeper. In a way. Which is really cool. That's an amazing way to describe Maze's all job. And it gives us another kind of a view of what she used to do when she was back in hell. So I just love the entire interaction. And it gives her a way to connect with Trixie. Yeah. Or rather, it gives Trixie a way to connect to her. Yeah. But I wanted to be the first female chancellor of Germany. Until Merkel came around and was like, okay, well, now this is done. Now I don't have to. <laughs> So, but I can empathize with Trixie a lot in her, oh, I want to be this political figure or I want to work with animals. <laughs> yeah, it's a very different type of a dream, but at the same time. I'm fully there. I love the energy between the two actresses. Yes. They really do a great job with the bar in between them, using this literal boundary between them. I love that Maze is just putting two glasses down there like she would for Lucifer or anyone else, not judging Trixie on her age. And while I assume she's aware that she shouldn't be pouring a shot for Trixie, Maze just doesn't care. And the not caring part is one of the things I love about Maze. She just behaves the way she always behaves. Exactly. She doesn't filter or limit herself. And like you said, she interacts in a very normal way with Trixie, which for me reads as being surprisingly good with Trixie. And the end of the scene when Trixie basically spells out that Mace is now her friend. Oh my god. God. Mace is so happy to hear that. It's amazing. My friends call me Mace. And Chloe goes like, thank you, Mace. You can't. Instantly shutting down again. And any softness that might have peeked through with Trixie gets instantly shut down with Chloe. I just love how Mazikeen is portrayed in this scene and I love how Leslie Ann plays her. Yeah, Maze's face at the end of the scene when Trixie calls her a friend is precious. It's so good. It then kind of goes on connected to what we're gonna see when Maze comes back to Linda. Uh, for the next scene, I don't have any notes. So it's all yours. <laughs> so in this scene, we get Lucifer projecting heart all over again. But... What I really appreciate that Lucifer actually realizes at certain stage that Junior is innocent. And as much as it makes him sad and slightly disappointed because he doesn't have that role model anymore that he kind of made Junior into, that Junior got out and he maybe, and that was kind of my final thought on this, maybe he really wanted to see what would happen to him if he would kill his father. If you went full Voldemort. Yes, if you would go full <laughs> but you know like it's kind of a nice moment of lucifer being kind of disappointed that this didn't work out so scene 10 i called 
the disastrous dinner. Because who doesn't love an alliteration? My very first note is, and I want to know if you also have this, Dan is still paying his chocolate cake debt to Trixie. Same. Yes! It made me super happy. I loved how low-key it was played. If you hadn't watched the earlier episode, you wouldn't have noticed. You wouldn't know and it wouldn't matter. But if you know, then it's perfection. I loved it and then the whole scene progresses and I love they all sit down and Lucifer in his usual way has this knack to with I think it's two or three sentences to bring up all underlying issues. Yeah, fucking love it. I love it. I'm so there for it. I honestly wished actual people were as honest because it would make my life so much more easier. And it would be way more interesting. Imagine if Lucifer wasn't there, how would this went? It wouldn't it just be more interesting? It would be less time consuming because this whole dance around issues. <sighs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Imagine if Lucifer was there and he wouldn't have brought up all this stuff what would have happened they would have gotten together it would be awkward as fuck mom and chloe wouldn't have talked they would have pretend that everything is okay mom would know that chloe and dan are this close to getting back together yeah it would be awkward it would be quiet everybody would pretend that nothing is happening i don't even know if it would be awkward because it would if lucifer wasn't there i read dan as someone who's very capable of making an awkward situation charming as long as lucifer isn't there <laughs> and penelope loves dan apparently for some reason so yeah i think that the dinner itself would be much too boring and stupid if lucifer wasn't there and he wouldn't lay out all the things the way he did yes and that's why i say brutal honesty for the win also i find it hilarious how lucifer is the one bringing all this brutal honesty to the table literally haha <laughs> But on the other hand, he's so not aware because he is lacking relevant information that it would be so important that Dan actually finds something likable about him. But to be fair, this entire situation and Dan's reaction is completely overboard. I fucking hate this. Really? What did he do? The only reason why Dan is pissed off is because Lucifer admits that he tried to sleep with Chloe. And it didn't work. No, that's not the only thing. What other reason does he have? The whole build-up, the climax, haha, pun intended, is that <laughs> Lucifer is trying to sleep with Chloe. I see you laughing, you like my comparison. <laughs> no, in this moment, Dan is completely overreacting over this entire situation. I don't read him overreacting at all. I actually don't see anyone overreacting. I think that everybody is overreacting there. Okay, so what does Lucifer do? He brings in a person that is okay, suspected of murder. By poisoning food. Yeah, by poisoning food. But he brings in him believing that he is innocent. And Junior proves himself to Chloe and Chloe too believes that he is innocent by the end of the dinner. Lucifer is also eating the food, by the way. Yes, Lucifer is the only one who actually eats the food. And Chloe does not believe him to be immortal. Yeah, by anybody's standards, he's a human and therefore... He should die if there's poison. Exactly. So what's the upset about that? Why 
while it is unconventional for Lucifer to do this, it is also very Lucifer, and I think Chloe has been working with him for long enough to know that this is part of him and not to be upset about it. To expect this type of behavior, yes. Yeah, I don't understand why she's so surprised. She should have either flat out told him, do not come, I don't want you here, or she should have just accepted something like that was gonna happen. If she wasn't happy, she could have simply said, fuck off and ordered Chinese takeout. The entire situation, I think that she overreacted. Dan is being extremely jealous for no good reason. I am convinced, and nobody's gonna break me on that, that he is upset over the fact that Lucifer was hitting on Chloe and admitted it to his face, which is humiliating, but... I didn't read Dan as jealous. Another note I have for the disastrous dinner. I found it so entertaining that Lucifer is literally not aware what the fuck he's doing. He's not aware that he's hurting people in quotation marks. He's not aware that he's putting unspoken things literally on the table. He's not aware that he's breaching boundaries. And I have the feeling even if he was aware, he wouldn't care. And this scene isn't that long. This scene is six minutes long, but still, it feels even still longer. And I really like how they play it, how they've written it, and how surprised Lucifer is, how this whole thing is playing out. And even when shit has hit the fan in every conceivable possibility, he's still cleaning up, which I found the most surprising part of this scene. You did get that cleaning up meant that he finished the food, right? I'm not sure. He didn't eat five portions. Because he said it was delicious. I cleaned up, if you know what I mean. It was delicious. I can't see him finishing five portions of food. And cleaning up includes for me loading the dishwasher. Yeah, but I'm quoting Lucifer. But even if he ate everything, he still put all the dishes in a dishwasher. And I don't see Lucifer putting dishes in a dishwasher. I do really like Junior's speech that he makes about his father. Actually, I really like the actor. He is very good, yeah. And he says, he is a part of me. He is the reason I am the man who I am. He made me who I am now and I like who I am now. Yeah. And I appreciate this on a level as in a lot of people are trying to distance themselves from their parents. And as much as I love my parents, I don't want to be like them at certain ways. But in the end of the day, they are the people who made us who we are. And either it's in a positive way where they taught us a trait and made us work and gave us compassion and gave us emotions that we have or gave us morals that we have. Or if it's in a way that you so much don't want to be like them or you don't want to treat people the way they treated you, that you find yourself the complete opposite of the approach that also makes you who you are. So I kind of really enjoyed the truth that Junior is speaking right now and the fact that I think that on some level Chloe and Penelope are taking this in and they are learning from this speech. And maybe even Lucifer. And again, to close this off, I will repeat myself. Dan is being a dick and he is being way too aggressive about this and it is jealousy the way I read this. I see why you would think that, but I don't agree at all. I never read him as aggressive nor as jealous. (laughs) Then Lucifer and Chloe, after everyone leaves, 
have this very good this epiphany epiphany conversation that explains the entire case it's not the first time they really play off well of each other and I like it whenever it happens yeah this time to me it was slightly too spelled out it was pretty much like duh you should have seen that ages ago but very much Nevertheless, they go through this conversation and finally realize that Anne... The only reason why I accepted this, obviously, is because both of them were so busy with their parent issues. Yes. And they do figure it out and they go into the restaurant. Which, in the middle of the night, it feels like anyway. I honestly have to say, the scene in the restaurant... I only have one question. Why did Lucifer have to carry Chloe out? If you have any more notes, feel free to bring them. But everything else for the scene for me was like... Eh. So to me, for one, thank you, Lucifer. When he says this place can't possibly be up to code. Because the... (laughs) fucking fire is spreading so quickly it's ridiculous and i noticed that put down the note and lucifer comes in with this notion so i'm glad that they also agree with the fact that this is completely ridiculous i think this might be because you're also in the food service industry no honestly how can anything catch on fire this quickly i think it's very cute that he carries chloe out and my explanation for this is that he is the devil and this is the only way... He gets burned. He does get burned, but he carries her through the flames. And to me, it was surprising that he only gets burned so little. The difference between his arm and Chloe covered in his jacket or her jeans is the material is different. The Just a plain shirt is way less of a pushback for the fire than five-layer jacket. So he could just have put the jacket around her and then she could have walked through the fire herself. Technically, yes. But like in a situation like this, people might panic. And for him, he gets burned. He just still carries her out. And does that mean that he is flammable, but he is less flammable than an average human? So does that mean that he is so familiar with the flames that he doesn't have an issue walking through them. And then Chloe, logically, a human brain, she would not walk through fire. You have to train yourself to walk through fire, walk on uh, hot, fiery stones, I don't know. So she wouldn't be able to do that. However, he could because he has a little bit different setting in his brain. That is my only explanation I could think of. Honestly. Actually, the last point that you made, that because he's so used to fire and brimstone, is why he simply walked through it without hesitation. Hesitation meaning prolonged exposure. Prolonged exposure meaning getting burned longer. Because any human would have the, oh, I can't, it's gonna hurt. And also, Lucifer and Pain are very different friends than normal non-kinky humans and pain. So you actually explained the scene to me in a way that I'm willing to accept it. Hallelujah. Because he (laughs) willingly went into a scene that he was A, familiar with, but B, was going to bring him fresh 
pain that he was not familiar with, but he's familiar with pain in general. So it wasn't as weird and painful as it would have been for a human. So he could do this. And adding to this the fabric argument that you made that basically jeans and you're only right for non-stretch jeans by the way because I actually had this explained to me by a fireman friend that stretch jeans are problematic because they have so much plastic in them and 100% cotton jeans are much more unflammable than fucking stretch jeans because fucking stretch jeans melt to your body. Sounds gross and painful. If you're caught in a fire you want to be wearing 100% cotton Levi's even if they don't make your butt look good impossible because you have an amazing butt yeah yes my butt is perfect no but i've heard of people who prefer stretch jeans because it makes their butt look nicer you don't want to be wearing those during a fire because they will just melt to your butt and then you have third degree burns and And you have no butt exactly so don't do that which brings me to scene 12 i'm just gonna stop you for three seconds chloe gets 10 points for gryffindor for grabbing the fucking poison drugs thank you very much Let's move on. That was so good. It was so good. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) Full agreement there. So scene 12 is another fangirl moment for me because this is the conclusion for the Maze arc for me in this episode. This is the first beta plot because Maze, as you laid out in the deleted scene, had the realization she needs to learn how to be more normal. She went to the only person qualified to tell her how to be more normal. She tried to reject the information there, was confronted with a situation where she could actually follow the advice that Linda gave her. So she did follow the advice. And now that she has followed the advice, she's coming back to Linda to tell her that she made a friend. Seriously, my heart broke when she was like, I made a friend. And Linda goes, who is it? And she goes, it's an eight-year-old girl. And Linda looks at her and you see in Linda's face that she wants to say something more, but she acknowledges and praises. Yes. Because Linda, even without having the depth knowledge, realizes how significant this moment is. And then Mace puts an entire level on top of it because Linda goes, well, maybe you should make a friend of legal drinking age. And Mace goes, I know. It's like Mace found out how being somebody's friend feels like and she likes it. So she decides to take it to another level. It's beautiful. Seriously, look at all the people that Mace interacted with in the last nine episodes. Linda is the only adult option that she has. The only alternative would be Dan. Which I would be here for, honestly. Yes, but I understand why Mace does not want to get involved (laughs) into this whole convoluted shebang yeah like this scene alone makes me love this episode much more than it deserves we also have a song that starts with this scene that is called calling me it's by stacy and not only it goes through this scene it goes through the following scene where we get chloe and her mom reuniting and having a chat so it carries all the way through yeah for penelope making good with chloe and from those beautiful two scenes which are emotional and cute and whatever wait 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 wait. before we pass on i have a complaint yes 
the situation between Chloe and her mom, with her mother apologizing to Chloe that she felt that she had to be a more grown-up person because she was behaving like a child. This agreement and resolve feels to me too easy and is lacking any kind of depth. I don't think this is a resolve. Don't you? Ish- resolving issue, no. I think this is the first step to resolve an issue. Because I read it as a resolve and that left me extremely unsatisfied. I don't think that it was a resolvement. I think... So you think this is gonna come up again? I can't tell you that, but I'm sure that this is not the way this it will end. This is a conversation that has been started by Lucifer bringing it if up. If this never comes up again, you're gonna agree with me that it's lacking depth? And if it comes up again, then we're gonna reevaluate it. I don't think it lacks depth. I think that they need to start somewhere, and this is a start to me. Yeah, but if it never comes up again, then they didn't start. I would be okay with them dealing with this off screen, honestly. Really? Yeah, I don't need to see that. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> Well, you did neither what I wanted, but I'm still satisfied because now I have a different read. Continue on to scene 14 at the harbor. Malcolm Unchained. He's again eating. Like seriously, when I watch the episodes, I usually eat when watching any kind of show. I cannot eat food while I watch Lucifer at the moment. I cannot eat because Malcolm is eating and I find it disgusting. Seriously, watching those episodes is taking me off food. Wow. And this is saying something because I love food. (laughs) I was surprised that Dan didn't actually give Lucifer to Malcolm. Yes, he gets all the brownie points that he tries, but he fails, which is fitting to his character. Yes. Writer-wise, I was impressed, not character-wise. So the fact that Chloe texts Dan and Malcolm clearly replies a rejection text is... Okay, this is a segue. We see the text of Chloe and Malcolm goes basically like, oh, I'm gonna take care of this. Don't worry, I'm gonna reply for you. I think he says something like, I'm gonna take care of this. No, he says, I'm gonna reply for you. The detail, thankfully, in my perception is not too relevant. But basically, he makes it clear that he is gonna sort this out. Yeah. And then we get a cut. And when I watched this for the very first time, I did not see the last scene coming. I was expecting Malcolm to write something like non-committing to Chloe, but not anything that would drive her into Lucifer's arms. I don't know how you felt when you watched it the first time. I expected Malcolm to say something in a sense... I don't know. I don't think I even thought about it that much. I would expect him to say something in a sense of like either let's talk about it later. I think that kind of comes down to what he is planning to do with Dan. Yeah, but he apparently ended it, with which I which I found surprising because it's a yeah, very... Yeah, but like it makes sense. If he's planning on killing Dan or getting rid of him somehow, which is his only option right now, honestly, because Dan knows what he's up to and he will come after him. So that's why I don't understand that he didn't kill him there and then. Maybe he did. We don't know. He didn't. He said, sleep well. Maybe he shoots him afterwards. We'll we'll see. Like, next episode is gonna be so interesting. If he killed him, he killed him off screen, which doesn't make any sense. 
I just didn't understand why wouldn't he kill him at that moment. I think we have to wait for the next episode to get more into Malcolm's motivation because this episode leaves the whole Dan Malcolm scene deliberately in the open. So I want to postpone this discussion. A discussion I don't want to postpone is for the last scene. I kind of feel for Chloe and Dan as an item that without any of their fault their re-emerging relationship is being killed off by Malcolm. I mean, let's face it, it wouldn't have worked anyway, so... Probably, yes, but still, any chance is getting killed without either of them fucking it up. And speaking of fucking, while I understand it from a narrative point of view, I'm surprised that Lucifer didn't fuck her when she came on to him. So is he. I know, but still. It makes no sense, and I really hope that the next episode is gonna solve this. It makes sense. Let me explain it to you. Please. So we've seen Lucifer building a relationship with Chloe that is unlike anything that he's been involved in. Utterly non-sexual. Yes. And even though he keeps trying to get on with her, I think it just doesn't come from the same place as it does with anybody else at this stage. Because he has learned to approach her on a different level. Not just her, anyone. I'm talking specifically about Chloe now, though. But he, in general, has no idea how to interact with anyone on a non-sexual level. And Chloe is the main exception, but also Linda is becoming a another type of exception. But there's a difference because I find it a very interesting comparison. But why it makes sense for Lucifer to say no to Chloe is because he has built a relationship towards her and he, as we learned, he is not inherently a bad guy. He is not gonna... He's not gonna take advantage. Yes, he's not gonna take advantage and here he just proves that he will not. He says, I am as surprised as you are by me saying no, but I'm not. Because to me, it makes sense. Like I said, narrative-wise, it makes perfect sense. Not just narrative-wise, emotionally, he is not inherently a bad guy. He is a good person who would not take an advantage. What I really, really liked is that we get another bracketing of the episode, because we begin the episode with the Oh God, with the strawberry. And we have an exasperated, oh God, with Lucifer leaning back on the couch with a sleeping Chloe on his arm. So writing-wise, it's very fun. Damn, you guys did a good job. So I'm just gonna pop in there before we forget that we have a song for this scene called Thunderhearts by Cold War Kids. And to come back to your oh God, did you notice that as he says, oh God, looking up, the music says amen behind it. Really? And this is how the entire episode closes. He says, oh God, and music says amen? Yes. I didn't notice. I have to go back and watch this. Yes. And it's literally how we go into the end, into (gasps) the credits. Really? You just hear amen. Yeah. So that's how we finish up the episode, which is amazing. I love it. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Is that it? Did it only take five hours to get to final thoughts? Final thoughts. I like that we get substantial backstory for Chloe. We have some really nice development for Maze. And we even have some time for Linda and Trixie in this episode. 
the storyline gets progressed with Malcolm taking down Dan and Chloe coming on to Lucifer while she's drunk. But as I mentioned to you before, even though I think it was in one of the rants that's probably gonna get cut, the last episode was so brilliant that the follow-up episode was gonna have to have a very, very hard standing. So next to a brilliant episode... This is a step down. It is a good episode. It is a decent episode, but it's not as brilliant as the last one. So I can't help but feel a tiny bit disappointed. But I'm still super curious how it's gonna go. Mostly because Dan apparently has been kidnapped and Chloe fell asleep in Lucifer's arms drunk. So... Those are two scenes that are sure to give us more attention. And I'm here for it. And also, Linda and Mace's friendship. I'm here for it. Yeah. We had a lot of setting up to do this episode. I really appreciate it because the last episode was extremely emotional again. So I personally felt like I needed a little bit of a break from that. And this gave me that. It gave me a lot of development between Lucifer and Chloe and I really appreciated that Lucifer did say no at the end and it means to me that their relationship is on a completely different level than it was a couple episodes ago. He's grown beyond just getting her into bed. Yes, it's not just himself anymore, which is, I love that. And yay for Trixie behaving (laughs) like the most adult member of her entire family. Oh yeah, no argument there. I love that. I missed her and finally she's back and they gave me exactly what I wanted and it was just very enjoyable. And I cannot wait what will come out of Mazes and Linda's friendship. That's going to be amazing and I am extremely intrigued by what Malcolm is planning to do with Dan. Because, as I stated before, I do not understand why he did not kill him straight away. Fully there with you. It's much easier to just shoot him. I suspect that it has something to do with his plan in how to kill Lucifer. Because he already made sure that the gun would not be traceable to him. And he got Dan to take out the gun of evidence. So maybe his plan is to frame Dan for killing Lucifer. And pretend that he disappeared, maybe. Because it would make makes sense. Lucifer is like making advances to his still wife. Exactly. Malcolm definitely does have a plan and I can't wait to see what it is. I really like that Malcolm is portrayed as smart. So far he has been playing it smart and careful. Honestly, if he wouldn't have been smart, he probably would have been found out as a dirty cop ages ago. Yeah. They would have been Dan to shoot him to protect Chloe. Which is a situation that I still need to have resolved more. That's gonna happen, don't worry about that. Hopefully, I don't remember, so I'm still waiting. Speaking of waiting, you know who's not waiting? Tell me. Our Patreons. Because our Patreons get access to our episode Monday instead of Wednesday. Ooh. Is it all of them or just believers? It's just the believers because, let's be honest, only true believers deserve to have early access. (gasps) Ah, true. So our wonderful and much appreciated true believers get access on Monday 
to our early release on Tuesday to our bonus content, which includes you and me going off topic repeatedly. Five hours. That's the only thing I'm going to say today. <laughs> but all the Patreons get access to the Patreon, where they have a chance to talk to us in Discord. So if you feel like this sounds like something I want to get into, check out Patreon. If not, no worries. There's other options as we're now gonna get into. Thank you, of course, for listening. But if you want to get in touch with us or keep in touch with us, you can do so via Twitter at the Apple of Truth in one word or Instagram at T-A-O-T podcast. Obviously, we have a Facebook page that can be found under both of those names and our episodes can be found on iTunes and Spotify. And as Lina just mentioned, we do have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash T-A-O-T podcast. And if you join, you can get access to loads of different stuff, including not only extra content, but as we just sent out today, we have stickers as well. So we might be adding some more extra stuff into our Patreon. So keep your eyes peeled. At some point further down the line, there's gonna be merchandise. Yes, even better than stickers, if you can believe it. <laughs> and yeah, that's all from us. Let's go to sleep. Good Bye. Night. Bye. <laughs>